Hi, and welcome to the I Believe Podcast, a podcast created and funded by acureinsight.org. Here we'll be sharing information and insights on treatment, research, and living with ocular melanoma. Thanks for joining us today, and I hope you'll be back soon. Okay, so I am just going to let you kind of take it away and just tell your story as if I've never heard it before. I've never read it before. So um, without further ado, today I'm kind of the host of the Cure Insight Instagram page. I'm pulling people's stories and letting people share. This is Lexi. Lexi volunteered to share her story live here on Instagram with us. Hi, everyone. My name is Lexis Moody. Um, I go by Lexi. Uh, she, her pronouns. I was diagnosed in August of 2014 at Baskin Palmer Eye Institute by uh, Dr. William Harbour. It was a very interesting journey in July of that year. I usually go for a routine eye exam because I have astigmatism and also have had strabismus. Um, it's been well controlled, so I never had to really deal with that. But I had, I used, I would go to the eye doctor every year. But this one in particular was odd because they found what they called a pesky little freckle on the side of my right eye. That was sent, had me sent to a retina specialist who did the angiogram, which I have to say is one of the most painful. I, I hate that procedure. So <laughs> I'm not familiar with an angiogram. What is an angiogram? An angiogram is basically what they do is they um, take a IV and as an IV is going through and they have a contrast, they measure your eye to see the distance or so much the height and the um, length of the tumor to find oh, out so if um, was it like a neon kind of a, like an IV neon stuff that like, it's supposed to make it all show up all bright and bright and fun so they can see it. Yes, well. exactly. Exactly. And then yeah, you had the IV like the whole time. That was awful. Did not like that. No. So that was the first like ding of like, okay, this looks like ocular melanoma. And then I was sent to Baskin Palmer to talk to Dr. Harbor and um, he diagnosed me and set my plaque week for um, August uh, 14th of 2014. And that was crazy. Um, okay. So talk to us a little bit about your experience with plaque week. I know like you were, we were just talking just a few minutes ago about how your experience was kind of drastically different from the experience of those of us who kind of are more recent to this diagnosis. Yeah, we were just, I think it was just starting out. So when I was at Baskin Palmer, there was a lot of concern about the radiation and what it would do to other people. So all of my nurses that came in would wear um, metal aprons to make sure that they didn't come close to me. So that was very scary. Outside my door had a um, danger radiation sign. So people knew that if they were coming in, they were going to potentially get radiated. Um, there was a man who would come in with his, um, with his coordinator that would do, a, would put a Geiger meter to my eye to measure the radiation levels to make sure that um, everything was good to go. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's why now I'm hearing that OMEs are able to stay at home now because of that research. So that makes me really happy, but it was really isolating and scary because you kind of felt like you were an alien with the, yeah, with like the you've got this radiation thing on your eye and to nobody wants to come close to you. And it's like, Exactly. So yeah, that's super, that's really different because I had a metal patch, but that was, you know, that was about the extent of, I mean that and not supposed to, I wasn't supposed to be around my kids. Um, 
But I mean, I went to the ER at one point during my OM week or my plaque week because of constipation due to pain medication, fun things. I had that. Um, mm, yep, yep, and, yep, yep. And nobody, like, I wasn't, just because of the nature of the situation, like, I wasn't even allowed to have my mom or my husband come in with me into the mm -hmm. hospital. And nobody, like, I was trying to tell them, like, have radiation in my face. Like, you probably want to have somebody with me right now. Like, and I'm blind, like, because I couldn't open my, my good eye. Um, so what was your experience? Like with, with, um, I don't know. I felt like for me, it was almost impossible for at least two days for me to even open my eye that wasn't affected by the plaque. Where did you have that experience as well during the plaque week or like, was your two months smaller? Yeah, no, I had the exact same experience. So what got me through it was audiobooks. I listened to Ready Player One and Bossy Pants for Tina Fey. And that just like that that really helped out. But no, I couldn't, I couldn't open the eye and 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 I didn't want to watch anything because I had heard that it made it, it moved to the plaque and I didn't even want to deal with that. Sleeping was hard because I usually sleep on my side and you you just you don't want to do that. And so that was tough. And just being in the hospital was tough. So I don't think I I I don't think I slept much at all and just kind of just tried to zone out these audiobooks. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, for sure. it's exhausting. You know, audiobooks, I feel like are a big help. Um, Man, they I'm really were. They it was, yeah, it was the way to escape and just go into that world. And it was just like the crazier the book, the more I wanted to consume it because I just didn't want to. Yeah, it was tough. It was definitely tough. I, I, I reach out to everybody who goes through it. Um, you know, there's a reason why they say OM oh, warriors because it is. That's a battle that you have to go through, but it makes you so much stronger. Yeah, I agree. I definitely. Um, I mean, I wouldn't voluntarily choose to go through it again, but no. at the same time, like it's still, it's still something that you know it, it shows you just how much. Like, wow, like you can handle, you can handle some crazy crap. Um, and okay, so your plaque was in in for seven days. Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. Um, I feel like I'm hearing kind of across the board that it just depends. Like some people have it for seven, some people only have it for three, some people have it for five. I think seven's about the max. Um, yeah, I think it depends on how big your big your tumor is. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Um, so you mentioned that when your plaque was removed, um, you mentioned that they had to cut one of the muscles like in your eye. So what, like, how was that experience for you with recovery? Um, so as soon as I got done with, um, recovering with, from plaque, they immediately had to do strabismus surgery. And it turned out that in order to get my eyes to see straight, they had to do both eyes. So I was, um, back into surgery after a year doing, um, basically they did the full surgery and then they did an adjustment, um, suture, which is you're awake and they have strings to your eyes and they move them in order to get your, your, uh, eyes to stay straight. Yeah. I'm it was like, terrifying. I, like, I know we have so many crazy, we both, we like, we all know, like we've just had crazy stuff happen to our eyes, but like, even just hearing about it, it's just like cringeworthy. Like this is just nuts. It it's, is. It absolutely they can do so many things, but it still is. It's kind of trippy to think about yeah. like all the things that can happen to our eyeball or eyeballs. No, I know. And it just, you don't, you don't really understand how much 
sight really just plays with everything and just like how much your brain can take. Like uh, there's sometimes that there are really bad lights and, and I actually just have a frag where I can't think straight and I can't have a full conversation because the light is too much for my brain to handle. That's frustrating. Yeah. And that's but now like seven years later, right? That's seven years later. Yeah. But that's a lot to have to do because of my complications with strabismus. Is it strabismus or is it the radiation damage? And that's the fun little game I get to play of like what's, you know, what's happening. So um, with, with um, with the placement of where your tumor was, um, do you currently have any site left in your OMI or are you, I mean, kind of, I guess if you had to, to gauge it, like on a percentage scale, one to 10, um, how much site do you have one being next to nothing and zero, obviously being totally blind. And then 10 being like, you have really good vision still. I would say about a six or a seven, I have intermittent. So some days I have really good vision and some days I can't even see like screens are too bright for me. Wow. Um, so I, it's, it's really a toss up, but on my good days, I have really good vision. So I'm really happy for that. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's awesome. And definitely like, definitely glad that at least some, at least some people have some level of vision. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and then with both eyes, because of dealing with the scar tissue on both eyes, I have sometimes this eye's a little stronger and sometimes this little the eyes a little stronger. So sometimes I depend on my OMI because my, my left eye isn't doing it for me. Well, and that's um, such a gift, like that you can even depend on it, like with the complications that you had with both eyes, like Cause I feel like that's definitely something a lot of people that I've talked to, like a lot of the OM patients that I've talked to friends that they're like, they're just terrified of something happening to their one eye that hasn't been affected at all. And it's just like, oh my gosh. And if you're like me, like you don't have any vision at all over here. And so yeah. if anything happens to this eye, it's like, well, crap, <laughs> like, what am I going to do? Absolutely. Yeah. I can um, understand. I feel like I definitely, I mean, 50, 50% sight is definitely better than zero, but you know, at the same time, like it's still a lot more of a risky feeling and even just where you're at, you know, like if something happens more drastically to one of your eyes and for whatever reason it affects both eyes, then, then both eyes go down. Like, and that would be, that would be crazy. Um, okay. So let's fast forward. You've had the plaque out, you had the surgery to help with the muscle repair damage. And, um, kind of like what, what happened after that? Did you, uh, at the time that you were diagnosed, did they do biopsies? Did they, um, did no, they I didn't get a test to like, tell you like, this is where we want to have your scans done every so, you know, every so often. Yeah. We didn't do a biopsy because I was a small tumor. So it looked as if the scans were going to be the same. So I, six months I do CT scans and ultrasound, um, to check my liver and my lungs. And those have been clear for seven years, which I, awesome. I hope to call that out. Like it's, it's been, I've been cancer-free in that respect, no metastasization. So that's been fantastic. No, that's um, definitely amazing. Uh, and it's so like, I feel like that's one of the hard things about this diagnosis is that all of us, we go in, we come into it and we're new and we want an answer. We just want someone to tell us like, well, am I going to get cancer in two years or five years or eight years or 20 years, or am I not? Like, yeah. and there really isn't a solid answer because there's people like you who have a tiny tumor and nothing ever happens. But then there's also people like you who have a tiny tumor and they start out with, with Mets. And mm -hmm. that's like one of the first signs that they have before they even discover the eye cancer. So it's just crazy, like how different everybody is. And the hard, the hard answer is that everything is just so unknown. But at the same time, that's also just kind of part of the deal of life, right? That we all get to sit in this unknown and we have to learn how to be okay with it. Um, 
And I feel like that's challenging and, and it's uncomfortable, but like, there's only so much we can control, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So talk to us, I guess, a little bit about like maybe how life has shifted since then. You mentioned a little bit of like, you're affected by lights a little bit more or a lot yeah. more sometimes than others. Um, uh, how's your night vision? <laughs> Terrible. Oh my gosh. I don't even go out at night. I, I can't do it. So um, tunnels are the worst thing that ever happened. Um, I have a little sun hat that I wear with my sunglasses so I can get through tunnels. I can't drive. Um, that's, I haven't done that in seven years. Um, just, I, yeah, it's, it's been bad. I can't want, I can't, um, I can't watch movies. The light is too fast and the, and the tracking is really too much for my eyes to handle. I get a lot of eye pulsing. I don't know if any other, um, OM people feel that as well, but I get these really bad eye pulsings and it's so just is it like a, like a, disorienting. almost like a heartbeat in your eye. Yeah, it feels like exactly. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I guess I've had that a little bit every now and then, but it's not like super prevalent. And I mean, I don't know, I'm sure like anyone who's on live, if you've had that, like drop it in the comments, <laughs> let us know. Um, I've only had it every now and then. And it's usually when, like you said, when I'm under a lot of eye strain, um, did you feel like adjusting to the eye strain has been easier because you have both eyes to work with on some level? Like, even if it's not super, super great, it's still at least co it's correctable. I'm assuming because you're wearing glasses. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, these are prisms, which have their own complications because if light gets through them, it, uh -huh. it causes issues as well. But, um, so prisms are, that's a type of lens, right? It is. Yeah. It's kind of like a telescope, um, like, Mm, let's see so lighthouses have a certain lens to them and that's sort of uh wow how a prism works first you're so first your business it makes your eyes see straight ahead and have them work together my eyes are constantly fighting each other so these glasses are supposed to help look at look center to yeah just kind of help everything other. like zero in on focusing like, that's awesome if i take my glasses off you'll probably see the blinks that start happening um so the glasses are, are, are to help with that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm like staring at your eyes. Like, I don't see it. <laughs> I don't know if I'm flipping right now or not, but yeah, it causes a bit of a complication. Well, that's good that they can correct that then with glasses though. Um, yeah. So that's helpful. So what um, do you feel? Y'all keep, keep going. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. But yeah, so I, I, I can't play video games anymore. That used to be a big hobby of mine that just, I, I can't do that because of tracking. Um, I can't watch movies. I, I've had to adjust like how to watch TV. I don't use a really big screen. I use a smaller screen um, that helps with the floaters. Um, as, as the years have gone on, the radiation damage has gotten a little worse to where I could only see it when we would do the dilated eye exams. But now I can see it just if my eye is tired or if I'm just a certain point, certain point of light hits it and it's just there for an hour or two. Um, so, so that's, that's just really like a floater kind of like in your OMI, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it's neon green. So it's like, it's just this box that just is kind of <laughs> with me, right? Green box. Just a green neon little box that hangs out with me. Um, so that causes kind of complications. So I guess that's why, I mean, it's intermittent because some days I can do stuff and some days it's just like, it's not going to happen. My yeah, eyes are too sure. tired. Sure. Muscles are bad. Nutrition helps getting a good night's sleep helps all of those good things. Okay. So I'm trying to think what else would you be doing now? Um, so I know I have to use eye drops pretty frequently. Otherwise my eyes start to feel like crazy. Um, so do you, I mean, do you have a specific type of eye drop you feel like helps? Um, do you have to have prescription eye drops? 
Yeah, I've been doing um, Renew Preservative Free Drops. I do those three times a day. And then I've started on Restasis. Um, there's a thought that maybe chronic dry eye is maybe what happened with me because I have so much scar tissue with all of the surgeries that I've had to have with the eyes. Mm. So I've started on Restasis. So I'm I, I'm hoping I'm hoping to report that that does well. But right now, um, it's just it's it's been helping with the day. I also do yeah. an eye compression yeah. mask, a brooder mask, twice a day. And that's really helpful, like a warm compress for 10 minutes. That really okay. helps with the okay. muscles a lot. Well, those are some good, like just some good things to be aware of and to try. Um, okay. So a few years down the road, you've had, you know, you're kind of, you're in the groove, I guess, of having, having your scans, having, um, having gone through maybe the ups and downs of scanxiety. Like, does that, I mean, I feel like a lot of people, the longer you go through it, more people say like, well, you know, you just kind of get used to it. You just keep living your life. Um, do you find that that's been the case for you? And if so, like, what do you find kind of helps you when you go into a scan now every six months or every year? Um, it wasn't at first. At first it felt like I couldn't do anything because everything was waiting for that scan to happen. And just like life had to stop because I was just waiting to see, uh, just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, um, sure. that was probably for, sure. for about two years. Cause it just, everything felt new. Like Nicolette was talking about the circus and I totally understand that there was just a circus around, like everybody was just like centered around the eye and, and there was just focus, focus, focus. And that didn't give me a sense of just being able to sit with the, with this disease and really be able to understand what, how you live day to day. So, yeah, sure. um, sure. after learning that it was, I would start having a lot of anxiety a month before like when I would meet with my doctor currently, Dr. Wagner, and he would say, okay, it's scan time. I would be really nervous the whole time. I didn't want to call and get the scan. And it just, it was anxiety leading up to it. About two years ago, I started taking control of that and saying, okay, every year is another year to celebrate that I get to be here another year. And that was extremely helpful. And, and the, and I know the scans, especially CT scans can be exhausting because that stuff you have to drink is the worst. Um, but it's also just really nice and comforting to know that you're, you're okay. And all the complications that you have to deal with and everything else that OM throws at you with having to go to the doctors all the time. Um, that's one thing that you can just put in the back of your mind. You go, I'm good. I'm good the next step is not, I, I'm not taking that next step. And I know a lot of the, a lot of, um, a lot of OMs, OM people do have to take that next step and they're courageous as hell for doing that. But, um, yeah, I think that that's, the scans are so important and I really want to express that, that, that that's been, that helped just every so year. I guess knowing. what I hear, like just that you, you flipped it from like something that you dread every year to something that you can celebrate. And I think that that, that, I mean, that is huge. Like that's that kind of a mindset to go into something and to decide ahead of time. Like, I think that we, we sometimes don't give enough credit to our brains and our minds, like, because we're seriously, we're so powerful, like in figuring things out and in just equipping ourselves and empowering ourselves through something hard. Um, and so to just kind of naturally get to that point through the years of dealing with this diagnosis, like is pretty incredible um, for you to kind of just progress to that point through, I'm sure it was kind of helped by associating with lots of people in the OM community and just hearing from them and just kind of seeing their experiences and their examples, but still like you had to be the, you had to be the one to make that choice and to go into that particular set of scans and say, look, 
I can either be terrified of this or I can celebrate the fact that like, look, I'm, I've been here another year and let's go for another one. Like, mm-hmm. and I think that that makes a really big difference. Um, I definitely can relate though. Like I have scans right now every three months. <laughs> and oh, so yeah. mine are coming up in like a week and a half. And I have that feeling, like you said, of just like, it kind of feels like everything about life has just kind of stopped, even though like it hasn't really, but like, it kind of just feels like it's hard to think about what's coming next because that's the other, like kind of big and prevalent in my brain still. Um, yeah. I think it's because with, with us, it's like, something happened. You're just, you're just going about your day and all of a sudden this crash happens. And then, oh, I mean, it's not like you'd have two weeks and you're out. It's, it's, it's a long journey. And so everything that goes along with it feels like, oh no, is that going to be the same thing that the first part of this journey was? Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's a bit terrifying. And I, I think I, that that's really true. Like just that, that you kind of like, I think we go through that initial trauma of the initial diagnosis and hearing like, oh, you have, you have eye cancer and I don't know how that was for you. We can talk about that in a minute, but, um, I know for me, like it was a huge shock and it was totally unexpected. Um, I mean, I don't think anybody goes into anything expecting, well, they're going to probably tell me that I have cancer. Like, I don't think that that's even a thing, like for anyone who's ever diagnosed with any kind of cancer. Um, but I know, especially for me, like I I've had eye exams for years since I was a kid, Like I did not expect anything was going to be anything other than just a little like, Oh, your prescription has changed because your vision has changed. And, um, so I feel like that initial trauma, it's almost kind of like there's, there's a, I guess there's a level of stress for me, like ahead of each of the scans that I think is due to that initial trauma of finding out and that initial, like, but what if it's like that again? What if I find out more bad news again. And, and it's also difficult because, you know, you, you go through, it's, it's not just the one traumatic thing with the diagnosis. It's the diagnosis. It's the make a decision about your treatment. It's the after effects of your treatment. It's the, um, then after that, then if you do happen to have a biopsy done, then it's the, the waiting for the results of the biopsy. And then it's dealing with the results of the biopsy and coming to terms with that. It's just like, bam, 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 bam. One after another for like two, three months. And then you finally get to like settle into things. And then, like you said, you have to learn how to live with this, knowing that this is like a long haul thing. This is not something that you just recover from in two or three months. And then you just move on with life, like breaking a limb, like you're, you're dealing with this for 10 plus years. And really I'd argue we're probably dealing with this for the rest of our lives because our eyes are affected. And if our eyes are affected, the way that we function day to day is affected. So, um, Okay. So like, let's go back really quick to when you were first diagnosed and just have you, I mean, do you feel like you would label that still as a traumatic experience? And if so, like what has helped you to kind of navigate that and to like, cause I mean, obviously you're in a much better place now. Um, but you know, what helped you to get to that point? Did you do therapy? Did you invest in life coaching? Did you just kind of, did it just get better with time? Like what, what kind of changed for you over time? At first, um, when I first got diagnosed, I've come from a family that has a lot of cancer in there and in, in, in it. Um, my aunt died of a brain tumor. My grandpa died of melanoma. My aunt, my grandma died of pancreatic cancer. Um, it's just kind of inevitable in a way. Sometimes it felt like it, at least that that was going to happen to me. So when I got diagnosed, there was this sort of sense of fear for everyone around me that they had to now endure that. And that's kind of where I was at mo- in that moment. I didn't think about myself. I just thought about like 
the people around me are going to have to see me suffer. Like I saw them suffer and that scared me. And I kept on trying to be strong for them. And that's what got me through that of just like, if I look strong, then they're going to feel strong. And if I can see them smiling, then I will feel better. And that broke me though, after this, like the circus ended and it was kind of like, I had to go through day to day and they started living their lives, but I didn't get to just live my life again. I had to start compromising things. I had to start giving things up and things that I really loved. And it was really bad. And I just stopped interacting with the world. Honestly, I just Um, I stopped talking to my friends. I stopped putting anything on social media. I just stopped existing. I thought that all I could do was just wake up in the morning and try to get through it. And if I could get through it, then that's a day spent well, but that's not living. And that wasn't interacting. And I didn't get to enjoy those years because I was terrified. And I started getting really angry because I lacked this control that I used to have. And I started getting mad about like weird things um, in the household chores. Like I wanted the forks to be a certain way. And I wanted like things to be done a certain way. And I felt that lack of control. And I looked at myself and said, okay, I need, I need to talk to somebody. I really need to get some therapy to really understand what is going on. Cause all it was, was just trying to deal with it instead of understanding that like, I was losing myself in trying to deal with it instead of just actually healthfully dealing with it. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so uh, therapy really helped me and just like the things, and I started focusing on what I can do instead of what I can't do, which was really helpful. Like I was saying like what the days that aren't scans instead of the days that are scans, just kind of changing that mindset of like, you know, and you've talked about that a lot, like just, really not becoming your disease, like letting your disease say, you have to take a back seat to my life. And if you come in, then that's fine, but you're going to have to come in when I'm living. But I was constantly waiting for it to come back. And that was, I think really what I, I'd like to say out to people don't do that. Like you can still walk through life with these complications, but it's still, you can still have a good day. Like Nicolette was also saying like her boyfriend was saying a good eye day versus a bad eye day. I I think that that's great. And I resonate so highly with that because I don't have to have a bad day. If my eyes having a bad day, it just means that I just have to change out what my day looks like. I think that's such like such a powerful mindset. Uh, Everything that you just said, like just being able to, you know, a admit that you need help um, in processing something like this. I do think that that takes a lot of courage um, and, So like props to you for recognizing that and for seeking that out and for doing the work because it's work. Like therapy is work. It is not, it is not just, you know, you go and happy go lucky, sit and talk to somebody like therapy is you doing the work on your own mindset, on your own trauma to process your emotions and to move through it so that you can live your best life and to, you know, live, live life fully and not held back by something that, you know, is constantly something you're afraid of, like you said. Um, so like huge, huge, huge props to you for doing that. Um, but I also just really resonated with that idea of, um, choosing what you focus on, like focusing on what you can control versus what you can't like, because there's a, there's a quote that I've heard. I can't remember where, but there's a quote somewhere on the internet that basically says, whatever you focus on expands, meaning that if you're focused on, 
And I like, I say this and I'm sitting here thinking, and you need to take your own advice. (laughs) Um, I I mean, we all do this. And so I think that's something you have to recognize, you know, in, if you're listening to us and you're listening to us talk and you're like, well, yeah, like you can say that, but like, that's so hard to do. Or like, I know that. Yes. Most of us know that doing it and practicing it. It's kind of like, it's kind of like practicing an instrument or practicing meditation. Like a lot of times I've, I used to feel like meditation was something that I sucked at. And then I listened to a meditation teacher who basically said, you know, if you're showing up to your meditation every day for three minutes, for five minutes, and you're just showing up and doing your, you know, doing whatever it is that you can for this five minutes or 10 minutes, that's practicing your meditation. You have lived your practice for the day. Like this is the mindset practice and it involves dealing with the ups and downs of life and recognizing in your brain and in your life when, when you've had a triggering moment or when something has happened and you have kind of gone down in a slump and then to recognize like, Hmm, what am I focusing on? And if you recognize, like you said, that you're focusing on all the things that you can't control then flipping that focus and choosing instead to look for what am I grateful for? What can I control? Who can I reach out to for support? Um, Like all of these different things, these are in our control and we get to ultimately, you know, when we take control of those things, when we take ownership of those, we get to choose how we feel even about cancer. Like, like every day, like you said, like you can, and like, like, I think you said it was Nicolette. Yeah. She was the one who said like, you can, you can have a bad day or your eye can have a bad day. Your eye is just one organ in your body. Exactly. It's tiny. And yeah, like it can affect a lot of different things and it does affect a lot of different things, but at the same time, it's one little organ in your body. And are you going to let that ruin your entire existence or are you going to move forward and learn how to live with it? Yeah. Um, We're always so strong. Yeah. And I think it's like a little bit. Who is it? There's, I haven't read all of, all of this book, but there's a book, I think it's called me, myself and I, and it's about um, losing your eye. And uh, I think it was due to something different than ocular melanoma, but regardless, like she talks about how losing your eye is, and whether it's losing your vision, losing your, your functionality of your eye, losing your eye altogether and getting a prosthetic, um, losing that on some level, it, it causes the grief cycle. Like it triggers that grief cycle and everybody goes through that grief cycle in different, different timelines and different ways. Um, but it's, it's not something any different than say losing a limb, like a hand or a leg and the people who lose, you know, both legs and are Olympians or, you know, it's not, maybe not Olympians, but just who do crazy, awesome things. Like they find a way through whatever their physical limitation is and they do incredible things. And so like, if they can do that, why not me who has, you know, one one blind eye, like, or why not you who like has to have special glasses to like make your eyes focus? Like, why does it have to be any different? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I I, I think that, yeah, we, we try to just be so strong. And I think part of also it's uh, a way we also need to remember to say, Hey, I can't do that. Or, Hey, I need to take that break. And it's not being weak. It's just you, you got it. You got to do that, especially with, I think, especially with OM because of that sensory thing that happens and we just have to take a break. And it's, um, it's important to do that and to have people around you that are fine with that. I, 
I, I didn't want to interact with the world because I was worried that there wouldn't be people that were okay with that. If there were certain restaurants I couldn't go eat in, that they wouldn't be okay to say, hey, we got to go somewhere else. Or I can't go anywhere past eight o'clock. Is that okay? Like yeah. it felt really restricting to just even be around me. And that was hard, but I've been trying to give myself a little bit more grace for that. Well, and like, look at what, I mean, I guess just kind of like from an outside point looking in, when you looked at it from the point of view with the story, I guess, in mind that all of these people are going to think they can't do this with me. They can't do that with me. They can't do this with me. So therefore these people aren't going to want to hang out with me. And so I'm going to pull myself away from them anyway. Like, and so you were afraid of being isolated and left out. And yet that was exactly what happened when you pulled away from other people. Like, so Mm -hmm. the stories that we take, that we make up are honest, honestly, I feel like 100% of the time, the story that I make up about anything, about what I think about someone else's perception of me, what I think about um, what my husband is thinking, what I think about, you know, what other people are thinking of me and whatever circumstance, it's usually completely blown out of proportion in my brain and nothing to do with what's actually happening in reality. Mm -hmm. So I guess like, you know, to speak to that, like if you are someone who feels like there's so much you can't do, like maybe you can't drive at night or you have a harder time with, with technology or um, just flashing lights or just different things affect you more than they did before. Maybe instead of choosing ahead of time for your friends, for your family to decide for them that they don't want to be around you. Maybe you choose to just be vulnerable with them and let them know like, Hey, look, this is what's changed for me. This is why. And I could use some support in figuring out some other things that we can do together because I don't want to lose this relationship. I don't want to be lacking in this relationship. Like, in my life. I want to find things that we can do together, things that we can enjoy together. Um, so if you're listening in that, you know, you, you relate to that, then hopefully that can help you kind of, kind of look for possibility there. Um, okay. Well, I want to kind of wrap it up, but, um, if you, I guess if you could share anything very specific, like just with anyone who is maybe new to this diagnosis or who's maybe they're not as new, but maybe they're just feeling constantly anxious and worried about the future. Um, what would you say to that person? I would say that you are, if you're just starting, if you're just either you're in plaque or you're slightly out of post plaque, if you're still filling the sores, if uh, you're still, you know, it, it, your eyes still filling the weight, I would say just keep on going. It's going to get better. Um, it's going to get easier uh, for people that are halfway into it. Um, just keep getting those scans. It, it, don't see it as I have to get another scan. Just think it's another accolade to say that, Hey, there's another year in which I've beaten this stupid little bug and it's not going to get me. And, um, I would also say that it's just really important to remember. I think the main thing with OM is to just let yourself live. However, this disease gives it to you. And that's, that's the best way to win. That's the best way to, to beat it out and um, talk to your doctors, coordinate. Uh, I had to move. So it was really hard for me to like get into a network. And so I think that's another thing I would say, make sure to stay in network with your doctors and um, they know the best plan for you and uh, take good care of yourself, stay healthy, eat good diets, sleep really well. It's really good for your eyes. And um, I'm proud of each and every one of you guys going through this. Every single one, I'm very, very, very proud of y'all. 
Lexi, you have been awesome. Thank you so much. Like just for sharing your story, for sharing your wisdom. Um, and I like absolutely loved talking with you. Um, everybody feel free to reach out to Lexi directly. You can follow her. Um, and then Lexi, as we get this video shared onto Instagram, uh, feel free to share this to your account and we can get that, um, get that tagged and everything so that you can share this with your friends and family and they can share it and listen as well. Uh, if you are new or maybe kind of in a position where you can relate to Lexi, like feel free to drop in the comments, any questions that you have for her. And then she can, we can go back in and we can answer those questions. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us. Um, I oh, wait, wait, can to... I tell you my song? Oh, yes, <laughs> I do. I forgot. That is great. Thank you for reminding me because I forgot about that, that we were going to ask, what's your favorite song at the end of every one of these interviews? My favorite song is Over Yet by Haley Williams. If there's Over resistance, yet. if there's resistance, it will get stronger. It's not the end. I love that. That's such a good, powerful lyric. Hey, <laughs> well, thank you for remembering to share your song because my brain has been like, I can't remember anything this week. I'm just trying I was to get too excited about it. I couldn't forget. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, but like you said, if you guys have questions about Lexi's story after you watch, drop those questions in the comments. Um, this will be live on the IGTV series of the Instagram Akiran site. And so if you have questions you want to ask her, you can tag her and ask her, you can message her directly. And I'm sure that she would be happy to answer those questions. Um, in the meantime, if you are also someone who would like to share your story, please don't hesitate to reach out to the Kieran site page and we would love to have you. Thank you so much for joining us today on the I Believe podcast. Please share and make sure to send this over to friends, family, and to share on your social media. Feel free to follow us on Facebook or on Instagram at a cure insight. Thanks so much and have a wonderful day. We'll see you next time.